Welcome to Rancho Baptist Church. This message was brought to you by the gifts and love offerings of the people of Rancho Baptist Church in Temecula, California. Pastor Jason Swanson is our senior pastor here at RBC, and this message was recorded during our regular Sunday morning services. Today, Pastor Jason continues in his Coming King Christmas series, Part 2, in a sermon he's entitled, Announced by the Angels. Here's Jason. We are taking a little sidetrack away from the book of, of Acts, and we are spending this month trying to rivet our eyes upon Jesus. And In fact, for me, this is very exciting and, and very encouraging, because I just get to think about Jesus. All the time. And that is what we should be doing at, at, at this time of year. But, but in particular, thinking about from the Scriptures. What does Christmas mean? And as I was considering the text that we're going to look at this morning, found in Luke chapter 2. I kept asking myself this question. What do I like most about Christmas? How would you answer that question? If, if I handed out a piece of paper and, and I said you needed to write your, your top three things about what you like about Christmas, what, what would you put? What would be on that, that top three list of yours? Perhaps you like like me, perhaps you, you, you like Christmas trees. And for us having lived in Papua New Guinea for so long, we, we didn't have the, the blessing of a real tree. We, we had to have a fake tree. Why? Because we were so far away from, from you know, any semblance of a pine tree or anything like that. And, and so for year after year after year, we, we put out our, our fake Christmas tree. And when we'd come home on home assignment, it was so nice to be able to, to buy a, a real tree and have that pine scent as, as we bring it into the house. And, and I just love the excitement of all of it. I, I love my wife grew up in Idaho. And if you can believe this, her and her family would actually go out into the forest and chop their own Christmas tree and then bring it back home. And we actually were given that opportunity to do that one time when we came home on a home assignment. And well, this year we went to Costco. And it's not quite the same. It's like, it's like in a container. And I'm like, what, what's going on? Where are all the trees? Oh, they're back here inside the container. And then they pull them out and just kind of line them up and you just get to go pick which one you wanted. And the guys told us, oh, this is the best one we've seen all day. So of course we took that one. But what gets you excited? I, I love as a family, I love watching as, 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 as my son cut the little strings on the Christmas tree and it popped out, right? I love watching the excitement in my kids' faces, even at the age that they're at. They still get jazzed and excited about putting Christmas ornaments on the tree. Maybe for you, it's it's gathering together as a family around the table and, and enjoying a, a nice meal with one another. I, I don't know what it looks like for you as to what would be your your, your top three items. What, what, maybe it's the lights. Maybe you like to hang the, the lights up and then, and then you just love to watch as you turn them on for the first time. And then you watch all your neighbors and, and you just bask in, in how beautiful it all looks. But I, I just want us to stop and, and, and the whole idea 
for us right now in, in this series is, is to pull back from the busyness of everything that, we, that we're doing throughout our week and, and just remember Jesus. Remember Christmas, what this really means for us. So, so what would you put as your top thing? The number one, or, or okay, number two and number three, but, but, but what are you thinking about the top? The top of top. What makes Christmas Christmas to you? As I considered this this week, what we're going to find is, is an answer in God's Word this morning. And this answer is convicting to me. Because if you're like me, this wasn't on one of your top three. And, and what I would ask you this morning is, did you put worship as one of your top three items? What Was worship even on your grid? What, was that something that you, that you considered? Worship, singing, listening to, to Christmas carols. Immersing yourself in, in, in worship of the Lord as a family. Is, is that something that you, that you, that you thought about? Or, or maybe, you know, presence was really high up there. And, and I get it. But what we're going to see this morning is, is something that, that I didn't have on, on, on my top three list as I considered Christmas. And, and yet worship should be at the top of the list because that is what Christmas should represent, should mean to us. A time of us coming and worshiping the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Lord Jesus Christ who became man. And you know, you know where we're going to learn this from? Is, is we're going to learn this from the angels. As what we are going to see is that the coming king is heralded by the angels. And, and, and when we think about worship and we think about worship songs and we think about Christmas, no doubt your mind automatically, like my mind, goes to Luke chapter 2. And it goes to the passage of the scripture we're going to look at this morning, 8 to 14. And how the angel comes, a single angel, and then later a whole group of angels come and, and they sing glory to God in the highest, right? But do you recognize that, that the worship of the angels towards God started well before this time? Do you know that the angels sung before that? Well, they did turn with me to Job chapter 38. Job chapter 38, just, just before Psalms. The book of Job. And as the Lord gives us a, a glimpse into something here, we're, we're going to see this morning something new. Per, perhaps you've never actually grasped the significance of, of what God says to Job. But, but what He does is He points us back to Genesis. He points us back to what we saw last week. And how when... God the Son, when the Word speaks and, and everything comes into existence through the Son of God, we're going to find this morning that someone else was there. Beholding creation. And as they behold creation, do you know what their response is going to be? Their response is going to be praise. Their response is going to be adoration. Their response is going to be worship. And we know the story of Job, right? The angels present themselves to the Lord, to God Almighty, to Yahweh at His throne, and Satan comes with them. And then he asks, Satan, have you considered my servant Job? 
My righteous servant Job. And do you remember Satan's response? Oh, yes, yes. I've considered him, but you have a hedge of protection around him. That's why he's so righteous. That's why he cares about you, Lord. Take away that hedge of protection. He will curse you. And so the Lord does that. And all sorts of calamity befall upon Job's family. And before things get better, they get worse. As as then we see next, the Lord says, hey, you can actually go after him, but you just can't kill him. And so then Job has all these boils in his and his very body is just miserable. And then to add misery and everything else on top of all that he's going through, he has his friends come in and his friends do so well the first seven days where they say nothing. Right? But as soon as they open their mouths, that, then all it is is discouragement and things that they really sh- do not need to hear. And, and his very own wife tells him, hey, just 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 die. Why are you holding on to your integrity? And the whole perspective is, for all the things that Job got right, there was something that was still askew. And that is, is that, that, he, that he thought that, that God was, was somehow a little lower than God actually was. And I think sometimes we do the same thing at Christmas. We, we are not dazzled by the fact that God became man. And to a certain extent, I believe that's going on with, that is what is going on with Job. He doesn't recognize how incredible God is. And so what does God do? God shows up and He speaks to Job. And He tells them, hey, tells him, this is how great I am. So look at Job 38 verses 4 to 7. As in this just little picture, what what we see is something amazing about the angels as well. As God says this to Job, Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who set its measurements since you know? Or who stretched the line on it? Or on what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. What's the depiction there? The depiction is, is that when creation was finished, that when the Son of God did His first work of creation, as we looked at that last week, what happened? The angels applauded. The angels praised God. They sung praises to the Lord. And yet what we're going to see this morning is their, their singing didn't stop. That, that wasn't it. In fact, I would say as we are going to look at the angels this morning and the way that they herald the coming of the King, that the King has come, that the song that they sing here, the praise and the adoration that they give to the Lord Jesus Christ, to the Son of God, is greater than what they did here. It's more immense. It's more ramped up. It's louder. It's higher. Why? Because I believe there's more awe and there's more wonder in what is going on and what we are going to look at today. The birth of Jesus Christ and even back here in creation, as amazing as creation is. Remember, God spoke and everything came into existence. That is amazing. And the angels recognize it. And so they applaud and they give glory and praise to the Lord. But what we're going to see this morning is, is, is something even greater than that. That the angels recognize, I believe, much more than we do. And that is that they give praise and, and adoration to the Lord. So 
Turn with me to, to Luke. Luke chapter 2. And just consider this. If the angels sang at creation, as Job just let us know, how much more did they sing when Jesus Christ took on flesh? When Jesus Christ was born of a virgin in order to come to the earth as a coming king to rescue man from his sin. How much more should we sing? And how much should be worship a part of our Christmas time, our Christmas celebration? What does that look like in your home? What does that look like for you personally? Is worship a part of what is going on as you come forward? Getting closer and closer to the time where we will celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Verses 8 to 14, we're going to jump over the birth of Jesus and we will come back to Him. This morning, I just want to highlight the angels and the part that they have to play. The lessons they want to teach us about God's grace. Because I believe that that's what this is all about. Jesus coming is God's grace. The angel being sent is God's grace. The angels rejoicing is God's grace. It all points to that which we do not deserve, which we did not ask for, that is a gift from the Lord. And this is what it says. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among men with whom He is pleased. There is something that the angels want to teach us this morning in relationship to how we celebrate Christ during Christmas. They they give us perspective. They give us lessons that, that will help prepare our hearts to celebrate Christmas properly. And what we are going to see really is God's grace in action. As these angels, they're going to teach us four things about God's grace, which will help us celebrate Christmas. And first, what we're going to see is God's grace is unexpected. Then we're going to see God's grace is glorious. God's grace brings great joy. And finally, God's grace results in praise. And this can be such an encouragement to us. And the fact that the first thing that the angels reveal to us, and and in particular this single angel that comes, is that God's grace is unexpected. This isn't what the shepherds were waiting for. This isn't what they thought was going to happen. And I don't believe even the angel knew what was going to happen. This is all part of God's masterful plan. And God's grace comes in God's timing. So look at verses 8 to 9a, just the first part of 9 as we see kind of the setting of what is going on here in the same region. So again, pointing back to Jesus Christ being born in Bethlehem. 
There were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them. We're going to see this idea of suddenly happening several times. Every time the angel or the angels show up, it's suddenly. It's unexpected. It's not something that they thought was going to happen. It's as if they are surprised by grace. And isn't grace always a surprise? I would say that would be contained in the definition of grace. It is a surprise. It's not something that you would expect. It's not something that you understand that you would even have earned. Because it's free. But look at how God's grace shows up. Both the where and the when, when it shows up, is is not normal. You would think that if if God was going to send an angel to tell anybody, He's going to send an angel to Bethlehem. He's going to send an angel to the city, to the town where lots of people are. But instead, He he sends this angel to these lowly shepherds and He, and he sends them to a place that, well, I have to believe is dark. That's, that's cut off from the outside world. And to a, a people that, that, are, that are lowly. To a people that, that in, in this time, that nobody would look with well favor upon a shepherd. And yet all of that points to God's grace. And that when God's grace comes, it is unexpected. And yet God's timing is always perfect. Why? Because even though we might go through hard times, and, and perhaps some of you are going through hard times right now, perhaps this season is incredibly hard for you. And know this, that nothing takes God by surprise. That yes, the, these shepherds were surprised. The angel could have even been surprised on the task that the Lord gave him to do. But God is not surprised. This all follows suit into His plan. And that is what we are going to see. That even though it's unexpected as far as the shepherds go, it is very expected by God. Because He is the one that sent the angel. He is the one who is displaying His grace. And that is what we see next. And if you think about it, the one thing about God's grace is it's not tangible. It's not something you can teach. You can touch. It's not something that, that you usually can see. And yet what we see next is God's grace is glorious. It's something that they can actually see. Look at the second part of, of verse 9. As it says this, And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. So, so what happens here? The glory of the Lord shows up. Whenever God's grace comes, we see that the glory of the Lord is, is right along with it. Particularly in the aspect of the fact that when Jesus Christ comes to the earth, it is, He is glory and grace mixed. Being born as a baby. And perhaps you're like me when, when, when you look at this particular text and, and you remember this story, you're, you think, oh yes, this is just like what, what we saw earlier in Luke. Turn with me to, to Luke chapter, chapter 1, verses 11 to 12. As you might be thinking, oh, this reminds me of Zacharias and Elizabeth. 
This reminds me of when that angel came and visited Zacharias. Yes, Pastor Jason, this is the same exact kind of scenario. The same thing happens in both cases. And, and I would say, really? There are major similarities, but there is also something that is entirely different. Look at Luke chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, or you can look on the screen. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him, to Zacharias, standing to the right of the altar of incense. Zacharias was troubled when he saw the angel and fear gripped him. So yes, an angel is present just like in chapter 2. We see that the, that the angel is there in order to say something, in order to give him some sort of understanding. Just as we're going to see with the shepherds. We're gonna, we see that the response of Zacharias is fear, just like the shepherds. But what is missing? What do we not see? We do not see the glory. We, we do not see anywhere the glory of the Lord. We, we see an angel of the Lord appeared. And that in itself is enough to cause Zacharias to be fearful. But it's not the same as what we see in, in chapter two. And, and look with me at, at Mary. In Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 30. For you might be thinking, okay, well, Mary's different. Mary's just like the shepherds. It's, it's got to be the same, Pastor Jason. And, and I would say, well, no, it's not. There are so many similarities, but, but look and try to find the glory of the Lord in this. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. So here we're told exactly who the angel is. His name is Gabriel. We're told that the Lord sends him. This is the Lord's plan. This is not anyone else's plan. The angel didn't come up with his plan. This points back to Genesis, to what we saw last week. And then verse 28, and coming in, the angel said to her, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. This would actually lead us to believe that she isn't so much scared and frightened over the angel as she is confused as to what the angel was talking about. And yet we know from verse 30, as the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, that there was some aspect to Mary in the way that she responded to the angel, that she was fearful. That she was frightened. And, and isn't that peculiar that they are frightened just because the angel is there? So there is an aspect where just this angelic being showing up in and of himself is scary. But it does not hold a candle to what we see in Luke. And turn back with me. Or forward with me. To Luke chapter 2. Verse 9. And why this is different, why this is different is because there is glory here that is not in the other instances. Why is that? That's because now Jesus Christ has come. And what is the point? The point is, is that light has come to a dark world. And that is what we are to understand as the, as an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terribly frightened. Why were they so frightened? Because of this glory. If we did a, a word study in the Old Testament and, and, and we were to look at the Hebrew, what we would see is, is this word glory has this idea of weight. 
and significance behind it. Something that is substantial and heavy. And then in the New Testament, we would see that this, this word glory has to do with splendor and brightness, with, with light. And I believe it's, it's both of these ideas mixed in here. That this was a monumental, weighty, significant thing that was, that was going on with this glory. And on top of all of that, it was bright, it was shining. Why? Because it was the depiction of God becoming man. Because it was the Lord letting everybody know, hey, this is like no other birth ever. This is a promise that is now being fulfilled. And this is different than anything else that has come up to this point. And so what happens into the darkness, and again, if, if we just think about where the shepherds were at, they're, they're, they're in the darkness. They, they don't have lights like we have. They're, they're out in the middle of nowhere with their sheep. I'm, I'm thinking they're probably either sleeping with one guy on watch, and probably the only thing you could, you could hear was, well, I don't know, do sheep snore? I, I don't know, but that's probably the only thing, and, unless one of their buddies snores and they have to listen to that, and then they'd probably go to a different place, you know? So, so what happens? It's quiet, it's calm, it's peaceful, it's totally dark, except for maybe the stars, and then boom! There, there is light all around them. You cannot walk away from this and not see that the light is significant. Because it, it lets us know earlier that they were in darkness. That that's what, what they were doing. They were keeping watch over their flock by night. That's when this happens. Why? In order to make this even more significant. To show the contrast. But remember this too. I believe it goes deeper than that. I believe it goes all the way back to Genesis. Do you remember what the Word of God did? Do you remember what the Son of God did in Genesis 1.1? As the earth was formless and void and dark... He spoke light. Light came to shine in the darkness. And as great as that was, this is even greater. Why? Because this is the answer to man's sin problem. All of mankind is, is shackled in sin and in spiritual darkness. And what has happened with the birth of Christ is now light has come. And that light has a name. And that light is the Lord Jesus Christ. The Messiah. The King of kings. The Lord of lords. The Son of God. And so that is what this is all about. To depict the glory of what is going on. That this is like no other time. And I wonder too, on on top of this, just think about who the Lord used. He, He chooses an angel but doesn't give us His name. Why? Because the angel is not what's so important as is the glory of God. It's the glory of the Lord shining all around them. And Jesus lets us know, you know what? He, the Lord could have chosen rocks. He, he could have just chosen rocks this particular night to tell the shepherds what had happened. And in Luke 19, 36 to 44, as, as Jesus is making his way to Jerusalem in what is called the triumphal entry, right? As he comes in, they lay down palm branches and they, everyone starts singing and, and, and praising him. And, and what do they say? They say, Hosanna, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. They are saying, hey, this one is the Messiah. This one is the Lord. He has come. And it looks like such a wonderful time of worship. But do you remember what the Pharisees do? What the Pharisees say, they come to Jesus and they say, hey, listen to them. Stop them, Jesus. 
stop them right here, right now. And, and yet, what does Jesus say? Jesus says, no. For if they stopped crying out, then the rocks themselves would cry out. And, and yet, we don't see the rocks crying out. I believe even in that, that's pointing to something significant as well. Something that actually points back to Genesis as well. Why? Because creation is not in its original state right now. Creation is broken. Do you, do you recognize that? For as beautiful as creation is right now, it, it's still broken. Can you imagine what the new creation is going to look like if this is what creation looks like in its broken state? And Romans says this in, in, in verses, in chapter 8, verses 18 to 25, it says that, that, that creation itself is groaning in the pains of childbirth. What, what is creation waiting for? Like us, creation is waiting to be reborn. So there's an aspect, well, where the reason why creation and the stones don't cry out at this particular point is because it's not time yet. Because creation has to be redeemed as well, and creation will be redeemed. And so God doesn't use the rocks to cry out. He sends an angel, and today God doesn't use rocks to proclaim His gospel. Do you know whose job that is? That is our job. That is what we are to do during this Christmas season. We are to point others to the true meaning behind this baby, that this is the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the Savior of the world who came to give His life. To be a ransom for many. He doesn't choose to use rocks. He wants to use us. And yet as the angels look at this, are, are they looking at this and they're saying, oh yes, God's grace brings so much glory. This is so wonderful. This is so great. No, the, the, the shepherds look at this and, 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 and they go, no, th- this is not grace. This is judgment. That's why the angel has come. This has got to be bad news. And just like us at times, they don't interpret the situation correctly. And so what has to happen? The angel has to give them better understanding. Has to teach them this, that God's grace brings great joy. That this wasn't a message of judgment. This wasn't a coming in judgment. This was a coming of God's grace to them. Look at verses 10 to 12. As we see clearly, God's grace in the gospel, in Jesus Christ, brings great joy. Not a little bit of joy, brings great joy. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Hey, you guys have it all wrong. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people, not just for you, but actually for all nations, all ethnic groups, everyone. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. When God's grace shows up, when God's grace is visible, here it is a message not of judgment, but of hope and of great joy. That is what the Gospel message brings, right? It, it brings great joy to know that, that we do not have to suffer in hell eternally because of what Jesus Christ accomplished for us upon the cross. And can there be any greater joy than the realization and the complete acceptance of the incredible fact that God became man, lived a perfect life, and then died a, a sinner's death, not for his sin because he's perfect, but to open the way for all of those who would trust in him. 
Can there be anything more joyful than that? No. And then on top of that, he, he lets them know that, that he was born for you. He makes this personal. And this should be personal for us this morning. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you do not, then this can become personal. This morning, that this Jesus who died, He died so that you could trust in Him. And believe in Him unto salvation. Why? Because as it says, He is the Savior, the Lord, Jesus Christ. Again, pointing back to the Old Testament that He is the promised one. He is the one promised way back in Genesis 3.15 that He would defeat, He would destroy Satan. And then it goes on. As the, or the angel goes on. And, and grace upon grace is, is given. As he, he doesn't have to say this. God could have just left it with, okay, I just want you to tell him that, that the Messiah is born in Bethlehem. And, and just leave it at that. But, but no, he says that, hey, I'm going to give you a sign too. For, for this baby. It, he's in a certain place. He's, he's in a manger. And, he, and he's going to be wrapped in, in, in these cloths. And is that significant? Yes, that is significant. Because you know how many babies would have been in a manger in Bethlehem that day, that night, that evening, when they were going to go searching for babies? One. This is not the normal place for a baby to be placed after they are birthed. This is not where you go to have a baby. And so if they weren't told this, they would have spent the whole night looking for him. And in that, this is God's grace. But, but think about this even more than that. Can you imagine the sure surprise of, of these shepherds actually going to this baby? And I know that there's pictures that depict Jesus in this little feeding trough and there's this great big light behind him and, and this and that, but that, that's not what we're, we're going to see. What, what we're going to see is a humble, gracious God becoming man that has no fanfare, that has nothing that would make you think that this was any different than any other child except for the promise, except for the angel. And to a certain extent, the angel comes with much more glory than the Lord Jesus Christ, does he not? I I believe that is to teach us about his humility and his grace. And this had to take the angels by, or the shepherds by surprise as they think back to, oh man, when that angel came and when, when, when they sing too. That was amazing. And then they they come and they, man, this is just a humble little baby born in a manger. This doesn't make any sense. And yet this was totally God's plan. So why would God allow this this angel to, to be the representative of himself? Because he wanted to display his glory. Because he wanted to allow him to be the instrument of his grace as, as God steps into humanity and is clothed with human flesh. And, and as we see this grace and humility mixed, it's no wonder as all of this happens that what we see happen next is, is praise. That God's grace results in praise. When we understand God's grace and what He has accomplished, what He has done for us, even though we don't deserve it, what, what does it do in our hearts? It, it wells up in praise and adoration towards the Lord. Look at verse 13. 
And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Again, that word suddenly. This is unexpected. Nobody thought this was going to happen. It doesn't even let us know. Well, were these angels commanded? Did they volunteer? All it lets us know is that, boom, they were there instantly. And then it lets us know their number, but even in the number, it doesn't give us a great detail. This is, this is the word used for an army. An army of angels. But this isn't an army of angels. They haven't come to do war. They're not in a battle array. They have come to give worship to the Lord. And so they are a worshiping army. (laughs) And so what do they begin doing? They begin praising God. And why do they come? I believe they come. Not so much out of coercion. Not because they were commanded, although I'm I'm sure that, that could have been part of the aspect of what is going on, but I believe they come because of their own pleasure, because of their own heavenly calling. Remember who these angels are. Remember that these are the ones back in Job 38 who recognize who this child is. They recognize the grandeur of what has happened much more than we would because they were there from the beginning. They know that He created them. They know that He was the one that created everything. They know that He is the one who has been faithful throughout all of human history up to this point. They know that He has the power of all power within Him. And yet, in all of that, the one unthinkable thing has happened. That this God, this God who is greater than all, that is larger than all, that is more powerful than all, this God has become man. And so no doubt as they recognize this, they volunteer for this. They say, yes, I would like to be involved. I want to be one of the angels that praises God. And so that's what they do. And look at how they praise God in verse 14. And we'll close with this. Of all the things that they could say, look at what they say. What they sing. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom He is pleased. That could be translated with men on whom He has bestowed His favor. On men whom God has graced. That's what this is all about. On Man doesn't deserve this, but God in His infinite and loving grace has sent Jesus to do the unthinkable. Jesus, that God the Son has become man. And as a result, they give glory to God. Notice who they give glory to. They will... Give glory to no other but God. They're they're not going to swap their glory with anyone. They are only going to worship the Lord and He alone as they recognize that that is who is the one that is worthy of all glory and praise. And that should be the case for us too during this Christmas time. That's what we should be getting so excited about, about worshiping the King of Kings as He came. And and yet I get it at times. And in this, this is marvelous. Right? Which one of us wouldn't love to have an angel appear to us? And then after one angel, to have a myriad of angels come and sing in a heavenly chorus with us there witnessing this. With us being able to grasp the glory and the grandeur of God. All of us would like to have that. But I recognize that some of us this morning, our, our life doesn't look anything like that. 
And perhaps some, some of you this morning, you, you, your life is hard. And what you thought was going to happen actually didn't happen. And, and, and so right, right now you're in a, in a, in a place where, where you're wondering where God is. And what encouragement do we see in this text for, for those like, like that? We, we see it in the shepherds. Who, who are they gazing upon? They're gazing upon the angels as they worship the Lord, but they are gazing past the angels to the Lord. And they recognize that He is the one who should be praised. That He is the one with them. That He has come. And so we should have that same encouragement this morning. That the, that the same God that did this is the same God that reigns today. That the Lord Jesus Christ, the light of the world, is, is your light if you've trusted in Him. That the faithfulness of God, as all of history is the account of His faithfulness. That the faithfulness of God is still His trademark today just as much as it was back then. That He is just as faithful today as He was with sending in the angel. But I wonder, why do the angels sing glory to God in the highest? Of all the things that they could, they could have talked about His grace, they could have talked about this or that, they talk about His glory. Why? I believe it's because of the scene. Because it's all that's transpiring around them. Perhaps they didn't even recognize that God's glory was going to shine like it, like it was shining. And so they recognize, oh, this is glory to God. And they point back to all of history and they know this is a wonderful thing. And so it's not just what's around them that they are rejoicing in and saying this is glorious, but they know even more than that, that baby. This baby that is born, He is indeed glorious. And this morning, this Throughout the rest of the week, this is what I would just encourage us to continue to think about. God's glory and how it has been revealed in in this account. Points to ponder, things to think about. Consider how God chose angels to announce the birth of the Savior. Why is this significant? What does this reveal about the importance of the birth of Jesus? And it reveals just how important it is. And how does this shape your celebration of Jesus this Christmas? Number two, consider how God's grace brought the, brought the angels. God's grace brought His glory. God's grace brought good news. And, and then finally, it ended up bringing praise. All because Jesus was born. Are you thankful for grace this morning? Is that something too that you rejoice in during this season? And number three, if the angels sang at creation, according to Job 38.7, how much more did they sing when Jesus Christ was born as the coming King to rescue man from his sin? Should worship be a part of your celebration of Jesus this Christmas? I, I don't know what this looks like flushed out in your life, in your family. I, I don't know if that, that means that, that you go ahead and, and you have a special time of worship as a family. Or if that means that you, that you play music in, in your home that, that are... That are Christmas songs catering to, towards your thinking of Christ being being born. Exactly what this looks like. I, I'm not sure all of those things we need to be praying about and seeking the Lord on and implementing in our homes. But what I'd like to do now is I'd like to have the, the worship team come up. And I'd like all of us to, to stand. And what we can do right now is we can worship together and, and we can sing to the Lord that the same song that the angels were singing.
And if you want another practical way to, to be involved in, in, in worship and to worship as a family, come next Saturday or next Sunday. A week from now, 6 p.m., we are having a worship service. And it's going to be dedicated to only worship. We're just going to praise the Lord. And, and it would be great to have so many of us show up that we actually have to go outside because we packed this place out. So let's worship the Lord together as we close. Hey, thanks for being with us today. It's always a pleasure to serve you with this CD ministry. Here at Rancho Baptist Church, our mission is to glorify God by making disciples who love God, love others, and live to reach their world for Christ. And if you have any questions regarding this sermon, or just perhaps knowing God in a deeper way, don't hesitate to give us a call. Our phone number is area code 951-676-2911. Or you can reach us on the web at www.ranchobaptistchurch.com. That's www.ranchobaptistchurch.org Have a great day in the Lord and God bless you as you continue to walk with Him.